Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the weekend football betting recap. I'm stuck in with me as always is Colin Wilson. You excited about those uh, Utah futures or is Oregon going to throw a wrench in this? Yeah, Oregon is like, I'm watching the game and everybody's really excited about this whole upset of Oregon and Oregon getting exposed. And I'm, and I'm just sitting here thinking, this is so bad for the Pac-12. The Utah Futures was all about the Pac-12, but trust me, I have national title futures. I have a little bit dabbed in on them making the, you know, making the playoff, and this hurts a lot. I mean, Utah's not going to get the bump that they might need to get over Alabama, and if Georgia beats LSU, I, I don't know. It, it, Oklahoma and, and Utah can think that they're going to move up a, a spot in the rankings, but I, I think it's worse for the Pac-12 now. If we look at what happened at the top, and we'll get to a recap of our day, and for those listening for the NFL, I'll run through a preview of Monday Night Football later, and then also recap what happened Sunday in the NFL. But let's you know look at the top of the college football playoff. Yesterday, uh, Clemson had a, had a bye. They have a bye every week, so I, I don't know. I guess <laughs> A normal for Clemson. So nothing happened with them. I'm just tired of everybody saying Clemson uh, should not be the number one seed. Clemson should not be this. Clemson hasn't played anybody. If there's a team that you want in the semifinals, it's Clemson. No, it's not. They're they're not a joke, right? They're not a pushover. But they're not going to be the one seed. That is really important because they're probably not going to be the four seed either. So that's why the one seed is really important, I think, because you don't want to be the two or three and have to face Clemson in the semifinals. Mm. But, look, Georgia won again and won ugly. That's just how Georgia plays and wins. I'm already seeing the battle propaganda on Twitter. I'm seeing people tweet about Mac Jones' stats. Come on, people. He played Arkansas, Western Carolina, and New Mexico State. And we're going to talk about Mac Jones' stats and how Bama, there's no drop-off. Come on. Utah dominated. I don't know if they control their own destiny, but I feel like they should. And then, you know, the SEC, you had – the SEC play a bunch of FCS teams, including LSU, played Arkansas. Proudest football team. No, there would be no celebrating to beat Arkansas. They haven't beaten anybody in a long time. So uh, we were supposed to win that football game. And uh, on to Texas A&M. I'm never going to be able to get over this. Like this, I, I've looked, we're not going to beat Missouri this weekend. And we're starting off next season against Notre Dame. And then game two is Mississippi State. I'm going to have to listen to you guys put this. Matt, our producer is going to put this in the pod every week. Every single week. There's no question about that. It's going to be on. <laughs> now, any thoughts on your Hogs effort? They ended up costing you your under late. We had a walk-on kid come in and play quarterback who happens to be, you know, a, a legacy kid also in Northwest Arkansas that comes from a ton of money that's friends with the Jones family. Uh, but besides that, he comes in and flawlessly throws a TD pass. And Arkansas has an onside kick that goes to the 11-yard line. Have you ever seen an onside kick get to the 11-yard line and recovered by the team that kicked it? 
Swear to God, I aged five years yesterday because of BYU's second quarter and the fact that Arkansas, late in the fourth, kicked an onside and went over the head of the LSU front line on, on, the, on the kick return. And then they started just patting it back down the field like nobody could touch it. There's butter all over the ball. And then Arkansas lands on it on the 11-yard line. I mean, you talk about bad luck for an over-under, or at least if you have an over. I mean, go buy a lottery ticket today. Ridiculous. Yeah, well, let's finish out the the top of the college football playoff picture. You know, Ohio State won. They had three fumbles and three straight possessions, and Penn State got back in the game. But Ohio State, you know, obviously if they keep winning, they're in. And I still think they're the best team in the country. But maybe there's more cracks than mm-hmm. we thought, or were there just some flukes in that game? I, I think there was a fluke, but I also think there's some cracks. So Ohio State had three fumbles in the game, none more important than the one that they had in their own red zone. Uh, I think what they gave the ball up, they, uh, Dobbins fumbled on what, the 11, the 12, and Penn State, after, that would happen right after Penn State's first touchdown, and then the second touchdown just came right on top of that, and really that's what decided the cover. I don't think James Franklin had any plans in winning this game whatsoever. When you're punting at the Ohio State 42 and the Ohio State 36, are you simply just trying to cover the game so that you look like you gave them a challenge or a scare? But from a standpoint of Fields takes a lot of sacks, that was purely on display, and it's going to happen in the college football playoff. From the aspect of them fumbling the ball in a big game, that that wasn't a good, ideal place to be doing that. So we'll see if they show up here. But, yeah, I mean, finally a little bit of uh, – they're not so invincible as we thought they were. Yeah, so as of right now, you have to assume that it's Ohio State, Clemson – LSU and then a major question mark and you know Oregon is now done and you know maybe Oklahoma they win again I mean this team this must be the most unlucky team in the country I'm sorry for betting on you because that means that instead of covering and winning by you know 18 you throw a pick six and at the goal line again I don't know how I lost another bet on a 100-yard pick six because a receiver fell down. I can't tweet the videos out fast enough. Every time Jalen Hurts has a fumble in the uh, in, his, in his own well, red zone. That one wasn't his fault. Lamb, but he did, yeah, then he did fumble at the, <clears throat> at the two. C.D. Lamb, they were up 11 um, in the fourth quarter, and TCU couldn't move the ball. Duggan finished six of 20 for like five yards or something. <laughs> so you score there, you cover. And then Lamb falls down on a route, and it gets picked off and 100 yards the other way. Count me in for TCU back in the Cheez-It Bowl. That should be the greatest thing ever. I mean, these losses are getting old. But yeah, so I mean, basically, just update on the playoff picture. You have Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. Obviously, all look safe, you know, barring some cast. So everything is about that fourth spot. I think Georgia, most would agree, controls its own destiny. So if the Bulldogs win out and you know beat Georgia Tech and then beat LSU in the SEC championship, they're in. But if LSU beats Georgia, then all of a sudden it's, all right, Oklahoma, have they done enough? Has Baylor even? I don't think so. But, yeah, you know, they could win the Big 12 as well. Does Utah, you know, beat Oregon convincingly? And, you know, if not, you have Bama looming there. Bama needs to beat Auburn next week and maybe convincingly. You know, Oregon could throw a wrench into this whole thing by beating Utah and the Pac-12 would cannibalize itself. I think if Baylor beats Oklahoma, no one's putting Baylor in over Alabama. And then if LSU beats Georgia, they'll be favorites in the SEC championship. It's just Bama by default, right? No, I don't want Bama in. But I'm saying that's what's going to happen. No, it's not. We can't do this. It's not impossible. What what do you think? You want to call our shots? I'll call my shot on what I think is going to happen. I mean, I think Utah is going to get in. That means that you think that LSU is going to beat Georgia in the SEC championship. I do. (laughs) <laughs> and that's where you and I disagree. I think Georgia's going to win the SEC championship. Dude, LSU defense is not great. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing that scares me about LSU. So it would come down to, you know, so I, I really do think that Georgia could efficiently move the ball. It'll come down to that 
LSU off? Can Georgia actually slow down? I mean, no one's been able to do it. Right. Can Georgia actually slow down the LSU offense enough? Maybe Georgia could win. I'd have to I, dig into the matchup, but they, I, won't, they won't be a favorite. I think one thing that's really interesting for me right now is these post-game comments from Ed O about taking on Texas A&M. Because we all know what happened last year with the number of overtimes they went into. Coach O was, in his press conference, besides the Arkansas comments, he's been waiting for this Texas A&M game. And it looks like he's going to put every ounce of energy and emotion into this Texas A&M game because of what happened last year. I don't know. If I'm the head coach of LSU, I'm kind of saying, hey, let's just get the win. It's not a big deal because Georgia's the target. And we're going to walk into an SEC championship game seven days later. And, and, and I don't know. How, how, how many plays are they going to have in this, in this Texas A&M game? How emotionally spent are they going to be? You know, I don't know. This, this Texas A&M game, there's potential for LSU to take some, take some licks here. Uh, so I actually, I, yeah, maybe, maybe I do like Georgia. I don't know. I'm looking at some <laughs> I mean, I got to adjust my number. I still haven't adjusted my numbers from yesterday. As of right now, mm-hmm. I make LSU a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the neutral field. That's it. Yeah, I actually have four points separating the two on a neutral, so I'd have LSU favored by four. But, I mean, with that line, I know I'm, I'm adding to what I already have down on Georgia Futures because I think four is way too many. Yeah, it's just that what – can this Georgia offense keep up? Like, every week it's I – don't, I don't, you can't hold – you're not going to hold LSU to under 21, right? Right. Like you're not going to beat LSU 20 to 17, 17 to 13. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. I mean, this team is averaging 50 points per game. So can the Georgia offense – they're going to need to find some explosiveness, you know, because you can't just efficiently move down the field. You, you can do that against – you know, it costs you against South Carolina, but you can do that against most teams with how good your defense is. But a couple three and outs and, you know, a turnover here and there, you can't afford to do that against an elite team with an elite offense. The LSU defense may allow Georgia to actually hit some explosive plays. It, the, um, the Georgia defense is really like the where where this is at because I mean they're top twenty in passing success rate and they're top twenty in stopping explosive passes and so I mean that's going to be the key to stopping the LSU offense and you know I didn't see any improvement at LSU's defense they were playing the starters I know there were depth issues but they were playing their starters all the way through the end of that game against Arkansas and I didn't see any improvement Arkansas should not be putting twenty points up on you look I mean I I think the equation is pretty simple and I don't I don't see a path really for Oklahoma with the way that these games are going. Mm-mm. I really don't. But So I think the formula is if Georgia wins out, Georgia is in. If Georgia doesn't and Utah does, Utah is in. If Georgia and Utah don't, then Bama is in. With What's the possibility of Oklahoma maybe getting in. But I think that is the – I think that's the formula. And, and if Baylor beats Oklahoma in the rematch or Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma – then it's certainly, hey, if Georgia and Utah lose any games, it's Bama by default, unfortunately. This is ridiculous. Just put, just put Alabama and Oklahoma in the put Sugar Bowl. Put Alabama as the one seed. But, but put, yeah, and if you don't do that and they don't make the playoff, put them in the Sugar Bowl against OU so we can have our Jalen Hurts versus Nick Saban and it'll be just ratings bonanza. Yeah. Um, all right, so a quick announcement for all of our uh, loyal podcast listeners that we appreciate and love so much and are thankful for. Happy Thanksgiving, gamblers. We're thankful for you. In this holiday season, with the Thanksgiving coming up, uh, we wanted to get all of the podcasts out for the week by Wednesday. So, you know, obviously with Thanksgiving on Thursday for uh, our American listeners and just all the craziness with how we wanted to get the podcast out as 
quickly as possible this week. And there's obviously games too, a lot of important games on Friday and Thursday in both the NFL and college football. So we'll be recording both podcasts, uh, the NFL and the college one on Tuesday. So they'll be out, both of them will be out Wednesday morning uh, for your morning commute, which means we'll only be talking about the Tuesday games, which are Maction. And then, you know, on the pod midweek on Wednesday, we'll cover the rest. But let's go through, I just want to go through conference by conference and update people on what happened very quickly. And then we'll go through our betting results, best call, worst call, bet regret, maybe throw in some box score frauds. But let's start with the AAC. UCF uh, beats Tulane 34-31. Tulane tried to make a valiant comeback, but UCF was up big in that game. Navy comes all the way back against SMU. Uh, Malcolm Perry with a 70-yard touchdown run, and then Navy got a defensive stop against SMU. But bad news for Navy is Memphis beat USF 49-10. And, I mean, USF's entire backfield was out, and they can't throw the ball, which sucked for our USF play. And then Cincinnati clinches the division thanks to a blocked extra point. The, they won 15-13. They were up 13-0. Temple scored a touchdown, went to kick the extra point, and it got blocked. And since he returned it for two points to go up 15-6, Temple led scored another touchdown, which would have given them the lead had they made the previous extra point, and they lost 15-13. All right, so since he clinches the division, they will go to the AAC championship and they will either play Memphis or Navy. All Memphis has to do is beat Cincy. So, you know, Memphis, Cincy, they play on Friday. If, you know, Cincy, I assume, is going to just sit everyone in this game? I, I mean, it's really – show anything? Or do they want to try to beat Memphis to play Navy? Because if Memphis loses and Navy wins at Houston, then Navy goes. It's a very odd – yeah, well, I think the first question is, is Cincy good enough to beat anybody? I mean, I, I know that they're on this win streak, but again, 100 less yards. They fell in my box score frauds. 100 less yards. Temple had a few very long drives that ended at a turnover on downs or missed field goals. Like, I mean, another Cincinnati performance as usual. So, But if Cincinnati beats Memphis, they host Navy. If they lose to Memphis, they go back, they go to Memphis for the championship game. Yeah, how important is it to try and win and to try and get home field? Right. Or do you say, look, we're not – and Memphis is going to be trying to win because they have to win. And, and it goes to best overall. Let's not show anything in like for the championship game. And, and best overall record is who hosts the game, and they're both 10-1. and one. So it's an interesting dynamic about how Fickle's going to play it. Yeah. So, yeah, Navy fans – Navy, you play on Saturday, so you'll be rooting for Cincy on Friday. All right, on to the ACC. And you know, Clemson already clinched – one division, Virginia Tech. Man, man, I was on Pitt. What a bad play. I, I mean, look, they had some turnover luck, and but Pitt only had 177 yards at Vatek defense. And Bud Foster's home finale just shut down the Pitt mm-hmm. offense. Vatek wins. Virginia rolls Liberty. Although I wasn't mad at my Liberty play. Liberty was up 14-10 with the ball in Virginia territory. And Buckshot threw up a just a, one of the worst picks I've seen all year. And, you know, I mean, Virginia had 100 more yards. They deserved to win, but that score was a little fluky. They had a big return there, and they also scored like a 12-yard punt. Um, oh, yeah, Liberty, uh, Buckshot Calvert, he had two INTs in Virginia territory. And, I mean, both those drives after those two INTs by Buckshot turned into touchdowns for Virginia. So that that really made the difference in the cover. Yeah. Um, but what that does is it sets up a showdown for Virginia Tech, Virginia, for the division, for the right 
to be four touchdown underdogs uh, against Clemson, yeah. and that game will be on Friday. Any thoughts there? Yeah, good luck to all you people betting Virginia in this game going up against Bud Foster in his last game he's ever going to coach in a series that's completely been dominated by Bud Foster. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere in the ACC, just to cross off some scores, man, Syracuse, I mean, get in the, at the goal line. I can't score at the goal line, but, I, but my other teams score when I'm at the goal line. Um, it's very <laughs> odd. Syracuse had first – breaks a 90-yard – play gets stopped tackle from behind stopped at the three they first and goal to three holding they scored a touchdown but it was a holding then false start false start. they don't get any points and then louisville ended up adding on a garbage touchdown it was an arena game there was over 1100 yards of offense in that game the syracuse defense which i thought would play much better than it did in fairness gave up 10 yards per play 10 yards per play <laughs> and now wake to close the season here and i'm not sure how interested wake's going to be though that was probably my worst call of the day, which was Duke. And that was my biggest play of the weekend. That really swung the day for me. Uh, it, another losing day in college football, kind of a wash of a year. We, we Hopefully we'll move on to a big, big bowl season. And, and, you know, this is, I think this is important to say, I've had you know, a couple unlucky games the past couple weeks. And this is one of the most important. I've had stretches last year where it was very, like, very lucky. I was getting every break. No matter how good you are in betting, you're always going to have, no matter what, there's always going to come a streak of just, I mean, it's just statistics. It's, it's, there's always going to become a streak when everything is going against you. And there's going to be a streak when everything is going for you. You have to remember that, that when everything is going for you, because of our you know, inherent biases, we tend to just attribute that to our self and how you know, good we are. But you just have to under, and this is why I always tell people that are first starting out to flat bet. Because some people can't handle the swings and, look, everything is going against you. But that's just going to happen. You have to just mm-hmm. – and eventually over time with experience, you'll learn to just put it behind you. I just pushed money around the app too yesterday. But hopefully a lot of people made money if they followed on the round robin parlay. I think five, five of the seven hit and Hawaii was the big one last night. Hawaii futures remaining intact. Hawaii does get there. Yeah, but Duke was – I mean, Duke was up in the fourth quarter. I was catching seven. Yeah. Um, but – it was because they had two kick returns for a touchdown. They got out game 618 to 290. Just a sad effort from the Duke defense. So dead wrong there. The Wakebackers deserve that cover. And Miami loses outright to FIU. Bet regret for me was FIU. I, Miami just – it's their first team ever to lose. It's three, three games in one season as 14-plus point favorites. They, I mean, they tried to make a, a valiant comeback, but FIU holds on in a huge upset to get them bowl eligible against a, a team that I know they really wanted to beat. A lot of in-state kids. Uh, but yeah, Miami goes down again as another big favorite in, in shocking fashion. Any thoughts there? <laughs> how, do you, how are you losing that game, Manny Diaz? How are you losing that game, Dan Enos? How are you letting that happen in Marlins Park? I, that is one of the most, un, the most shocking scores. It has to be top 10 in the season. Is that game? I, I, I and, and, it, and they won the game hour. I mean, there was nothing. I mean, I know Jaron Williams had three interceptions in the game, but still, I mean, you, you should not be losing. Miami, they, they beat themselves. Miami is the one who beat Miami. If I was a, a Miami alum, I'd be very, very upset. But I have my own problems to worry about with my own alum. Worse, doing way worse than losing to FIU. It was not a great day for Miami alum. All right, let's move on to the Big 12. Uh, let's see. I had, I, mean, I had a bunch of horrible calls yesterday. Texas was one of them. I knew I, I said on the show we were, I was doomed once I got Texas plus six and any time I beat the close this year by three points it's 
cooked. Uh, but Baylor was dominant. Uh, Mims just caught another ball as I speak. I mean, Brewer was, eh. I mean, I, I feel like Texas didn't watch, hasn't watched tape on Baylor. Brewer just looks, stares down Mims and throws it up to him. And if he's covered, he looks to take off. Yeah, and Brewer, Brewer finished 16 to 25 for 221 yards. And I mean, the total yards were dead even. 391 to 391 yards per play, about dead even as well. But Mims was dominant, and uh, Texas had key turnover. Texas was, uh, you know, 0 of 2 on fourth down. But, I mean, this they had a bunch of penalties which hurt them, and they ended up losing 24-10 in uh, a game where the box score looks dead even. But uh, right. I think Baylor was clearly the better team yesterday, and they were ready. They, they, they weren't flat. Yeah, and I think Brewer is going into concussion protocol, so we'll see what his status is. I would not be surprised to see Kansas beat Baylor and Kansas eclipse their win total. But from a Texas perspective, they had a ton of drives that at least got to six plays and ended in either a punt or a turnover on downs. It was really – they couldn't finish anything. They couldn't finish any of their drives. They could get first downs, but they couldn't finish any of their drives for points. Yeah. Um, Iowa State, Ooh, that was a horrible call by me. Although apparently Brock Purdy becomes inaccurate for one ball. I've never seen him be that inaccurate. It was to cover my first half. There was a guy wide open streaking, and, he, and Purdy missed him. Then the first half. But then Kansas came all the way back and almost won. But then Iowa State pulled away late. They went 41-31. Oklahoma State beats West Virginia. That had to be a frustrating game for you. A very, um, a very frustrating game for a guy that bought seven and then bought out with plus six and a half, right? Yeah. Well, I had plus seven. And, of course, West Virginia at the one-inch yard, one yard line, first and goal, can't score a touchdown. Um, they, they go – Quarterback sneak fail, quarterback sneak fail, false start, and then field goal. Uh, that went, and I knew that would come back to bite me, which, at least just a push. But which we should have all know. We should have all known better, right? I mean, when Spencer Sanders announced out, and that line doesn't take that line doesn't have much movement going on, and you know the world comes in on West Virginia. Then, well, yeah, there was other rumors about Drew Brown possibly being hurt. If yeah, that was, you had yeah. a, a walk on coming in from your high school. Yeah, we already talked about Oklahoma beating TCU. They completely dominated. Um, they won 28-24. Duggan was 7 of 21 for 65 yards and a pick. The total yards in that game were 5-11 to 204. All right, and then Kansas State in a close one beats Texas Tech 30-27. to Let's move on to the Big Ten. Minnesota, of course, Northwestern can't get a two-point conversion at the end. Cover. <laughs> Are running well enough to get that. this series. This is Minnesota. This Minnesota Northwestern series. A year from now, I mean, we could talk about it, but I'm not betting it. I'm done with this series. I'm done with this series. Miserable. And there was a third and seventeen pi call in Minnesota that led to their last touchdown, which it just makes it worse. Ohio State. We talked about beats Penn State twenty eight seventeen. They had a number of bad turnovers. Michigan State. Of course, Michigan State covers. They went 27 nothing. I called that because I did finally didn't bet them, even though my number said to. That's why you have to have a short-term memory. Um, Iowa, another favorite I bet that didn't cover for me. I had actually more favorites than usual yesterday. Um, Iowa, again. Illinois, again, just gets gifted points. Teams get down inside the their red zone. They just throw it to Illinois. You know, but Illinois had more success on offense than I thought, but Iowa 5.8 yards per play. Illinois only 4.7. You know, Iowa team that doesn't ever make mistakes just threw it up to Illinois once, once when they were in their deep in their territory and went one of two on fourth down. They were one of five in the red zone, Iowa. One of five. Uh, they missed a bunch of field goals too. So 
Uh, Iowa wins 19-10. That Illinois team stinks. Um, this might go into your worst call. Nebraska, Maryland. <laughs> oh, Mi- Michigan rolled Indiana. Indiana cannot beat a team with a winning record. They, they, I mean, this is the same old Indiana team. They just played a bunch of bad teams this year. Um, but Maryland was down 54 nothing to Nebraska before a late garbage <laughs> touchdown. What was that? Yeah, it's like you read your you read my notes right in front. Worst bet of the weekend, Maryland. So I kind of succumbed to this at the very end because I didn't think Nebraska would be able to play a clean enough ball game against a Maryland team that was desperate for a win. I didn't, uh, you know, Nebraska just one turnover. Adrian Martinez has an interception in the end zone, but besides that, just steamrolled, steamrolled. Like, apparently, Nebraska's focused. We're probably going to have to play them at a at a price that's not, you know. What it, what it really should be. Uh, it's not going to be any kind of discount or anything. It's Iowa. But uh, we finally got a Nebraska game where they were, you know, not only turning the ball over once uh, and showing the explosive team that they can be. You know, I, I, we're probably going to end up on Nebraska against Iowa just because Nebraska's trying to get to bowl season. I think Iowa's pretty much locked up what they're going to do this season. But, yeah, that was a really bad call about, about taking Maryland. That's worst bet of the weekend. Conference USA, who cares? I mean, Western Kentucky dominated Southern Miss. That's uh, UTEP – it's a minor nation. You couldn't even cover plus eight against New Mexico State. They lost by nine. Charlotte beats Marshall, which was pretty shocking. Conference USA is crazy this weekend coming up. So if you take a look at this, Florida Atlantic is going to play Southern Miss. Both of them are leading their divisions. And because of tiebreakers, Southern Miss is leading Conference USA West. If Southern Miss loses to Florida Atlantic, you're looking at UAB back in the conference championship game. If Southern Miss somehow beats Florida Atlantic, Marshall takes the lead back in the East because they have the tiebreaker over Florida Atlantic. So everything revolves this weekend around Florida Atlantic. Well, assuming Marshall beats FIU, though. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, FIU in the hangover spot of the century. FIU needs to win to win the division or have Marshall lose. It, and it, Marshall needs to win and have FAU lose. It seems like there's the path is either going to be Florida Atlantic against UAB or it's going to be Southern Miss against Marshall. And that's the most high, highest probability of a championship game that we can get. Yeah. Um, we'll have much more on that during the week. All right, then let's cover Maction really quick. That's going to come down to a game on Tuesday, which we'll get to later for one of the divisions. Miami of Ohio already clinched the other, but the only thing we're talking about on Saturday, Kent State, just amazing, keeping their ball hopes alive in a wild game. They won 41-38. Crum went bonkers. He threw for 368 yards and three touchdowns, and all three touchdowns, by the way, this is so Mac, by the way, were all three touchdowns were caught by Isaiah McCoy, who's been a scratch the past few weeks. Insane. And then he ended up having three touchdowns on six catches, six catches on six targets for 159 yards and three touchdowns. Crum was making beautiful passes, and Ken ends up holding on to win 41-38, keeping their ball hopes alive. And does that mean we're going back to the well with Kent uh, at EMU? It, yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, Kent was like one of the biggest plays I had this weekend uh, as far as like, you know, parlays and our parlay and round robins and just everything on Kent plus three and a half plus four. Uh, these kids are like, I mean, they're on a streak right now. They're hot. They're still at the table and they're still hot. Uh, and now they're going up against Eastern Michigan, who's sitting at six and five. And you would think that six and five is good enough to get to a bowl. But in the MAC, you generally have to have seven wins to get selected because there's going to be a ton of teams at six wins this year. I think there's going to be motivation on the Eastern Michigan side as well. But there's no way I'm fading Kent State. The pace of play, the yards per play, the only, and, and I have to admit, their defense is terrible. It's god-awful. The only reason why they won that game is because Ball State's wide receiver fumbled at midfield to end the game. Like I, I assume Ball State would have scored if they had enough time to get down into the red zone and, and, and get some points up on the board. But, yeah, this, this Kent State EMU is a, a – 
you know, a big time game, but you know, EMU's got, they've, they've got plenty of interest in winning this for bowl purposes. Yeah. Cause they do have six wins, but it doesn't guarantee you as a Mac team to get into a bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And we'll have much more on the Mac uh, later in the show and then later in the week, but um, moving on to the mountain West, Hawaii, 1411 over San Diego state, San Diego state, just free money unders. And they went 14-11 and clinch the division, and they will play Boise State, who clinched with a win. Air Force won as well, but because Boise beat Air Force, it doesn't matter what happens now. So, I mean, Boise probably still has motivation for New Year's Six Bowl, also to keep their perfect conference record alive. Um, they play at Colorado State. Not sure where Colorado State is mentally at this point um, next week, but that game won't mean anything. It's Boise State-Hawaii Conference Championship. Uh- Mountain West. Let's get on to bigger and better things. Army's five and six, and I Hawaii ha- should have no interest in playing this game whatsoever. Yeah, and Army should be able to run the ball at will against Hawaii, and they'll be a dog. Yep. And Service Academy as a dog, uh, we are always interested in. Uh, all right, moving on to the Pac-12, Arizona State. Uh, this is probably my best call of the weekend, especially considering I got a fourteen and a half and a close at thirteen, and they won outright. Yep. Um, Arizona State, Tempe Magic, Herm Magic, they beat Oregon, uh, and they were up convincingly most of the game. Oregon tried to come back late. Herbert was, you know, padded the stats late because he looked like Kyle Bowler for most of the game, and uh, Jane Daniels was the who looked like the NFL quarterback. He was 22 of 32 for 408 yards and three touchdowns, uh, just carved up the Oregon secondary with big play after big play. And uh, Arizona State put up 535 yards, 7.2 yards per play, end up winning 31-28, eliminating Oregon from playoff contention. Yeah, absolutely my biggest bet regret. Uh, I did not have any money down on Arizona State, and and that's after you and I podcasted and talked about how I missed the number at 14 and a half, and I was nervous really about Herm Edwards suspending his players in the first quarter of the Oregon State game and that I didn't know where the team's focus was And it turns out, suspending those players for the first quarter of the Oregon State game got their full attention for this game. Jaden Daniels looks like, you know, everything he's supposed to be, just throwing absolutely beautiful 81-yard bombs. But more importantly, you know, our handicap on this was that Justin Herbert had problems with the 3-3-5 last year and that he had two interceptions against the 3-3-5 in 2018, and that's what kept that game close. Here we are, fast forward to last night, Justin Herbert, two interceptions in his own territory. That resulted directly in 10 Arizona State points. That was the difference in the ballgame. Yeah, his numbers are much better against man defense, which which we will face against Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Elsewhere, you know, Cal beats Stan. I had a lot of bet regret. All my bet regret was in the Pac-12. I didn't play Colorado who I like. They end up beating Washington outright. I didn't join you on Utah once it went to 24, and I missed the number. Um, and But Utah looks dominant again over Arizona, 35-7. Cal comes back and beats Stanford, 24-20. Washington State wins another wild one. It looked like Oregon State had that game wrapped up, finished off, we're going to a bowl, and nope. Uh, Washington State comes back and scores with – uh, on a run, a beautiful play call by Mike Leach on a run with two seconds to go to take the lead. And when 54-53, just such a, a Washington State game. Gordon for Washington State went 50 of 69 for 606 <laughs> yards. Oregon State is second in the Pac-12 North. They're not bowl eligible. But the three teams behind them in the standings, Cal, Washington State, and Washington, are bowl eligible. That's <laughs> yeah, just a wacky year in the Pac-12. And then – a game that I think we both handicapped correctly in that 
you know, I was like, well, UCLA, I thought they would have more success running the ball, to be honest, which, yeah. uh, but I was like, I'm afraid of UCLA moving the ball. And you were like, USC is going to carve them up. And then the, the cover, you got, you ended up getting the cover. I don't know if it was lucky or not. I wasn't following, but I know UCLA had a shot at a back door. We should have just bet the over. I mean, USC had 643 yards of offense at 8.1 yards per play. UCLA had 540. At six point one yards per play. Uh, I mean, we were, we were both right. We were we yeah. were both right. Uh, UCLA came out uh, and just ran down USC's throat. Uh, that first drive of them, they I was like, oh boy, stuck <laughs> stuck was absolutely right. And then when USC started finally got the offense to get going uh, after a drive or two, I was like, well, you know, there's the passing I was talking about. So yeah, you're right. We should have played the over. We should have been handicapping the defenses, which I thought USC would be much better since they're at 100 health. Yep, should have had the over there. Uh, SEC. It was a very anticlimactic day. Although Tennessee beat Missouri to get to six wins, Missouri's <laughs> a corpse. Everyone on Twitter is excited about Tennessee. It's like, come on, this is a team that lost at home to Georgia State and BYU this year. Their wins are over UAB, Kentucky, a Missouri corpse, um, a Mississippi State corpse, South Carolina. I mean, and then Chattanooga. I mean, come on, let's not get the. Is this how? Far, far the Tennessee program has fallen. We're getting excited about this. The ultimate troll job by the NCAA would be to 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 grant Missouri's request to go to a bowl game while they're in Little Rock playing Arkansas and losing at a, as a five and six team. That would be the ultimate troll job by the NCAA. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't even notice that Arkansas covered the final the close on that last touchdown. Yeah. Um, they, cause, thank you, onside kick. Yeah. The, I mean, the lines are pretty spot on in the SEC yesterday. I mean, Texas A&M, the Georgia Texas A&M under, we should have just played it again every week with Georgia. But all of the teams playing FCS schools covered, uh, some of them barely, but they all did. Alabama ended up winning by 63. They won 66-3. If you had that first half, which I almost played, Alabama had the ball at the one with a minute to go up 38 nothing. The first half line was 38 and a half. The first half total was 41 and Bama fumbled it into the end zone um, for a touchback. That had to be brutal, but uh, who cares? SEC meaningless results. We'll get to the SEC uh, later in the week. Uh, and then in the Sun Belt, you had uh, one, a good – I have to give you props here on putting me on to that Georgia State-South Alabama under, mm-hmm. uh, which was pretty easy, and it might have – I might have, it might not have been on my radar if you didn't point that out. So thank you there. Um, but the main news in the Sun Belt was ULL. They're a covering machine. Uh, they won 53 to 3 over Troy. So they clinch. To go back to the Georgia State thing real quick, that was a huge game for them to get to a bowl to get them to seven wins. So they've achieved it. That's a goal that they've had. Uh, they are beat up and they do have some injuries. And now they're taking on a Georgia Southern team that has six wins and needs the same thing. They have to have seven wins to go to a bowl or at least, you know, have a shot to go to a bowl as a Sun Belt team. So Georgia State, who's achieved all their goals, may take the week off and Georgia Southern, who should be completely fired up because they want to get to seven wins. So there's a spot coming up this weekend. Yeah, and the Sun Belt's already determined. We're, we're going to have Louisiana Lafayette against App State. Again, App State won the conference championship in um, that same matchup last year. Then the only other game that I wanted to talk about was this was my, before we get to our betting recap, this is my bet regret was BYU, oh, UMass, because you were, t- I put this bet in the last second. You were talking about the under. I was, I was rushing to get this in and I put the under on the app and I bet the under, but I didn't want to bet the under. I wanted to bet BYU 
but uh, you, we were, we did the live show and you were talking about the under and it was in my head for some reason. I accidentally bet the under and I'm sitting there watching BYU go up 42, nothing in the first quarter almost. And I'm like, Oh my God, I bet. I mean, they're up 49, nothing at the half. I'm like, Oh my God, I bet the under and BYU is an easy winner. Well, it turns out it didn't matter because UMass came back to cover and the game went over, although it had a shot to go under. There were some horseshit points in that game. Muff punts. Uh, you know, there were some turnovers that led to just really easy touchdowns. And uh, UMass somehow covered. But, I mean, that first half was one of the worst performances I've seen from no, college. Oh, in the, the second quarter. It was 7-0 going into the second quarter. And I felt really good because BYU's touchdown. They had, they had a 13-play touchdown. A 13-play drive for a touchdown. I thought, this is slow pace. There's going to be first downs. If I can just get UMass to get a couple first downs, they only had two in the first half, then we could just burn clock. Next thing you know, it's a bonanza. BYU, one play for 48 yards, touchdown. Another 88-yard touchdown. Two-play drive, 59 yards, touchdown. Two-play drive, 22 yards, touchdown. I, I, it, I don't know what to do with this UMass team. I'm done talking about UMass. I'm not going to waste – it's well, like, they're it's done. Like, Their season's over, brother. They don't play any more games. We're not talking about this team until week zero or week one next year. I, I don't even want to do a season preview. I'm done with these guys. I, this burns. 42 points in the second quarter to BYU? BYU scored 42 points against Idaho State at home last week. BYU was purposely playing true freshmen on both sides of the ball to give all the starters time to heal up and, and then get those guys experience for the next year. With a linebacker as their running back. With a linebacker as a running back. Where, where was the protest for the UMass game? Can we get these Harvard and Yale kids up at, up at Amherst? March on that field. Yeah, pretty embarrassing. Well, their UMass season ends uh, with a cover. It, two straight covers maybe, depending on what number you got. So Notre Dame rolls BC. That was my best call. Yeah, it was, I had that listed. I mean, that kind of topped uh, Utah for me as best call. But uh, Brian, Kelly, uh, is going to, <laughs> Brian Kelly is on a warpath. And uh, I don't know what the number is going to be when it opens up here today against Stanford. And I don't think it's going to matter. I would like to get a piece of it before it starts steaming because uh, there are things, again, in the advanced stats that say Notre Dame has the chance to blow Stanford out, and I think they will. Yep. All right. Um, before we get to the NFL stuff here, let's just talk very quickly because there's not much to talk about on Tuesday as we get into week 14, we have two Mac games and we'll cover everything else, you know, on the podcast that's going to come out on Wednesday with Ohio and Akron, the Akron fresh off their first cover, but Ohio needs the win to get the six wins. And then we also have Western Michigan at seven and four at Northern Illinois at four and seven Western Michigan can clinch the division. If they win, if they lose, then central Michigan on Friday can clinch with a win at home against Toledo. If Western Michigan wins, then that game for Central Michigan means nothing uh, against Toledo, by the way. But then if, if Western Michigan loses and Central Michigan loses, Western Michigan wins the division. But Western Michigan obviously will be fully motivated there on Tuesday. And IU is in the role of spoiler. Anything in the two MAC games to note? We'll have previews up for both of those games, by the way. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's going to be a play, but I can at least tell you the way that I'm feeling. I will see how the number comes out. But uh, you know, Western Michigan against Northern Illinois, I've got it uh, capped at Western Michigan. Should be minus four and a half on the road coming off of a bye week. Western Michigan is third in rush explosiveness, and Northern Illinois' defense is 124th in stopping rush explosiveness. So there's a huge mismatch 
in what the Broncos can do on the ground. Uh, also, the Broncos are 15th in sack rate, and NIU has not protected their quarterback whatsoever, and they're 86 in havoc allowed. So there's some real uh, strong uh, advanced stats in there that point to Western Michigan covering the four and a half. So we'll see what the number is there. Uh, Ohio and Akron. I mean, Ohio has all the motivation to get to six wins. Not exactly sure uh, six wins is going to get them to a bowl, but Solich, you know, can get to six wins and hang his hat on that. You know, the biggest difference in this is that the rushing success rate has always been good for Ohio. The special teams is uh, advantage is huge for Ohio. Rourke should be able to tear into, into Akron's defensive ends. You know, watch the weather here. Big thunderstorms are expected around midnight or one o'clock in the morning uh, in Akron, but that could, you know, shift up a few hours to, to Tuesday late at, at night. So keep your eye on the weather in Akron uh, uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah. And just, I mean, look, when Akron finally got their cover against Miami of Ohio, I mean, you could still see that the Akron offensive line is, I mean, it is, it's one of the worst offensive lines I've, I think I've ever seen. Um, but the Ohio defensive line is not great. Um, so that's at least something to note because if you have a competent offensive line or even just a semi-competent, awake and sober offensive line, you will dominate Akron. I mean, Akron is 130th in line yards, 130th in standard down line yards, 128th in opportunity rate. I mean, 130th in stuff rate. I mean, this is one of the all-time worst. But Ohio's defensive line, that's not their strength. At least maybe gives Akron a shot to get a couple first downs. Right. All right, and I almost forgot, before we get to the NFL, let's take a listen to the voicemails. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Action Network Podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. All right, I'm not calling the I'm calling the vent about this whole Alabama's going to have an impressive win against Auburn at the end of the year. Who the hell thinks that Auburn's that good of a Team. They're going to be the most overhyped five-loss team by the end of the year. And also, don't even get me started on the fact that Stucky refuses to periscope when Colin's out here being a hero in Las Vegas with crying children in the background, giving us all the updates that we need to complete our college football Saturday. Hey, geez, Stucky, nice pick with Duke. Hey, guys, Nash from Colorado. Don't know if there's a worse start to the day than waiting in an auto shop as you're watching not only your car tear apart your money, but Liberty football tear apart your money. And then right after the game, I have to watch that stupid f***ing commercial of Liberty, 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 f*** Liberty. Jesus Christ, you know, you guys sitting there talking about Liberty with their get-up game and Buckshot tired to the f*** that dumb quarterback. The kid goes 16 for f- 40. No wonder you call him Buckshot. He's big enough f- targets to be able to hit anything. Jesus Christ, he's terrible. And don't even get me started on Sam Pizza sh- Challenger and your Tom Herman when he's a dog. Take. Hey, Stockies. Derek in here in Livonia, Michigan, representing. Didn't have a f- clue where to go on the board, so I figured I'd tune into your sh- podcast follow you to duke you said duke's your lock of the week yeah great pick bud i mean man it would be so easy to just have a podcast and not not pick any winners instead of working 40 hours a week merry christmas dude i'm paying your god salary so i got a buddy big gambler he says hey you gotta listen to this guy stuffy he's a world-class gambler he'll give you tips you don't even know about 
tells me last week, I follow you, you go 4-15. and 15. You put a God apology video out on, on Twitter, so I think, all right, for sure. This week, he's got about that. Liberty at noon, Brit. Come on, man. I put my hard-earned money into this. I need some winners. I love you. I heard you got a good podcast. You got a good record, but feed me winners. DL from BR. This isn't even a betting call. I know this is what the show's about, but you know what? I just wanted to call and apologize to Colin for the dumpster fire of an alma mater that he went to. What a f- joke. It's sad whenever the only pride you can have is knowing that you had better frozen Tyson chicken to go to sleep at night and eat as drunk food. Your school is a joke, and I know that you're going to love talking about those Georgia tickets coming up to the SEC championship. Burn those in my fire pit in a couple weekends. Go, mother Tigers. Chucho from Boulder, Colorado. Love this show. You guys are the god fat. I just have to check in because last time you thought I was drunk and high. You were correct. I was both. Welcome to Buffalo City. We just need Washington. <laughs> and we are in the over. Four and a half. It was easy money, but it really wasn't because it was so hard to get to. Goodbye, go fun. Let's go back to nowhere. Bienvenidos. This is Breezy Bryce from Boulder, Colorado. Uh, yeah, the Colorado Buffaloes uh, not only covered, but they also won straight up as 14-point dogs. And not only did we beat them outright, but we also hit our season win total over four and a half. Y'all didn't even have it on the radar. Come on, Colin. Come on, Stucky. Y'all got to be on top of this Let's go, baby. Mel Tucker is literally sending us to the promised land. Let me get a go, Steven Montez season in full effect. All right. Thank you, everyone, for calling. Look, now with bowl season coming up, I mean, we just have so we have so much to get to now on these episodes, but. We'll be reviewing those voicemails one by one again. Um, so with bowl, with bowl season coming up, sometimes we'll have one or two games a night. You know, the slates are going to get a little smaller. Call, scream, cry, yell. Uh, we love everyone that calls and listens to them all. And not all of them can make it on to the final reel, but they're always appreciated. All right, let's get into the NFL recap, the fastest five-minute betting recap that you'll hear in the business. Let's go. Tampa Bay, Atlanta, Bucks 35, Falcons 22. Is there anything more money in the NFL right now than Bucks overs? Nine in a row. It's getting silly at this point. Browns 41, Miami 24. If you're not fading the Dolphins at this point, what are you even doing? Uh, Fitzmagic almost had a backdoor that I got worried about at one point, but it didn't happen. The Dolphins stink. Seattle 17, Philly 9. Guess what? Seattle still doesn't have a good win. I faded Seattle. I also had to take the under. I teased the Eagles, which got there luckily late. But please, please, please just join me and fade the Seahawks into oblivion. Beating Mac Hollins and Arcego Whiteside and Greg Ward was a starting receiver. It's a Houston quarterback. The Seahawks still stink. 
Uh, Jets 34, Raiders 3. I mean, the Raiders are who we thought they were. And uh, maybe they're still in the playoffs in the FC. And like I tweeted, the FC playoffs should really be Ravens, Patriots, Chiefs, round robin, point differential for any tiebreakers to decide who goes to the Super Bowl because the FC has no depth. Uh, Buffalo 20, Denver 3. This is my worst call of the day. I think I had a 15 and 3 or 15 and 2 day. It happens. I'll have a 2 and 15 day. I think I did last Saturday. I had a great day. But guess what? The Bills beating Brandon Allen. And sorry to our producer, Matt Mitchell, infamous Buffalo fan. The Bills still stink. Just like the Seahawks. Join me and let's fade the Bills into oblivion. Skins 19. Lions 16. Yes, that means the Skins had more points than their opponent. That's the first time that's happened at home in more than a calendar year. If you play Dr- Jeff Driscoll on the road as a favorite more than a field goal, reevaluate your life. That's all I'm saying. Steelers 16. Bengals 10. Mike Tomlin, flat spot of the year, again, comes up. Guy can't cover the flat spot, but we got what we wanted. Duck, 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 duck time. Next week, Tomlin, rah, rah spot, Browns revenge. They're going to be swinging helmets. Oh, my God. I'm an Action Network app, actionnetwork.com, writing all about that game. Texans, 20. Colts, 17. Who cares? Bears, 19. Giants, 14. Mitch Bortles still can't cover, even at home. Guy threw two picks and one touchdown, and Bears fans will be clamoring for him next year after they draft Justin Herbert. Saints 34, Panthers 31. Who are the Saints? I'm not sure. Neither are you. Titans 42, Jags 20. The funniest thing is there was two games at 4 o'clock and not a single person on planet Earth, watch that game. 49ers, 37. Packers, 8. Got a text from a friend who I respect a lot that said, Packers fraud? Question mark. Professional better. I said, stop. You know what you're doing right now. Do not overreact to any single NFL game ever. Otherwise, go broke. Why do you think I had Dwayne Haskins, Sam Darnold, Ryan Finley? Nobody is as good or as bad as you think in the NFL. This isn't college. This is the NFL. It's a lot simpler than me losing money betting on Akron. And then finally, Patriots, Cowboys. It's a dream scenario. The Patriots move to 10-1. and They beat a good team, by the way. The Cowboys still haven't beat a good team, but the Cowboys are really good, by the way. But we can still fade the Patriots the rest of the way. Brady, dead last in the NFL in completion percentage on third downs. It's a league with Mitch Trubisky and Ryan Finley and dead last on third downs. Under pressure, Tom Brady. It's not all on him, although he is old as fuck. And by the way, before I sign off here and get to Monday night, there's nobody else that I love in this country more than people that served our country. I grew up spoiled and I didn't grow up rich or anything, but like I've had my parents paid for me to go to college and went to a good high school. People that serve our country, I never had to do that. And I respect them more than anything. I had a roommate who ended up being a Navy SEAL when I went to college, who was in ROTC. I would have fucking flopped on the first hour, yet alone the first day. But I'm just gonna be honest and candid here. 
the first time I was ever mad at someone that served their country is that someone had to see this. They wouldn't call it out on the broadcast or no one probably noticed because who cares? Like it was meaningless unless you are better that was so traumatized by the last one second of a game when you start lateraling it backwards. But if you watch closely and Brady and Belichick, they had it timed. They said four seconds. Brady takes 1.94 steps. He didn't even take two steps and threw the ball with an arc of 48 degrees. They literally practiced this play with four seconds. And if there was five seconds, they practiced that drop back. And he threw it. And then the service member, he went to catch the ball as I would do as you would do. But that meant that the ball was three feet above the ground. So all of Brady and Belichick's calculations went out the window, which meant that there was one second left on the clock. You say, oh, my God, the Cowboys. I mean, what more Cowboys thing could happen than Zeke catching a pass and then just chucking the ball over his head into the end zone? The Patriots recover it, and then we cry. Didn't happen, luckily. Cowboys cover on a joke line. Ends four, which is probably where the line should have been. Uh, Monday Night Football? Let's get into it uh, before my producer kills me. Look, everyone knows here I'm a Ravens fan, but unbiased Ravens fan. I think they're the best team in the NFL right now. I'm a preacher of buy low, sell high. This line's crazy. Uh, I teased the Rams up to nine. I also am going to bet the under, by the way. And I will tell you this one thing. The weakest part of the Ravens team are two things. The run defense is still a little weak. It can be exposed. But more importantly, the middle of their offensive line, Bradley Bozeman and Matt Skura are the weak point of the Ravens offensive line. And you know what they've been vulnerable against all year? It's quick, athletic, big defensive linemen. Guess who has that? The Rams. It's scary. Aaron Donald is going to have a huge day. I'm afraid for the left side. He's going to blow up all the running game, which is what the whole Ravens offense is based off of. The safety for the Rams, Eric Weddle, key piece, the Ravens defense, who's come out publicly and said, look, I'm not sharing intel. Like, he publicly came out and said that. Look, even if he doesn't share intel, which he is, I mean, he still knows a lot about the Ravens offense and will still yell out things. And one of the biggest advantages the Ravens offense has is they're very unique. And the first time you face them, it's like, whoa, what the fuck is going on with some of their, their formations and, and schemes that you don't normally see? So keep that in mind. But I think this is going to be a lot lower scoring than the total implies and that many people are thinking. I'm a Ravens fan. I'm a Ravens believer. But I'm a better first. And the Ravens are just overvalued in the market. You want to bet a side here, get the three and a half with the Rams, bet it. Might not cash, but it's got a lot of value. Also like the under. All right, so that's your week 12 NFL betting recap and Monday night football betting preview. Don't forget, people. It's Thanksgiving week. Do you know what that means? That means you might call out sick on Wednesday. That means you're not going to work on Thursday. And you probably took off work on Friday. There's college football all day on Friday. There's NFL all day on Thursday. And you know what we have on Thursday, by the way? Just to fill you in, we have Mitch Bortles at maybe Jeff Driscoll at 1230. If you have to get to know your family. That is the opportunity. For the first time in your life, you might have to fucking talk to your aunt because it's Mitch Bortles versus 
Jeff Driscoll. All right, Colin, thanks for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back again on Wednesday morning. We'll be recording on Tuesday, previewing the entire slate. To get that out to you before the holiday, rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. You know the drill. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. But uh, thanks for listening. Thanks again for joining me, Colin. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking.